listening to episode 29 of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. I'm your host, Sean Brown, and joining us today, we have Merritt Lee. First off, I want to say happy Monday to you all. I hope that you had a fantastic weekend. We are stoked to bring you another incredible episode uh, with Merritt Lee, who is one of the top senior photographers, not just in the, uh, not in just in her in her city, but out of the entire country, because she has received a couple of awards for being named one of the top 100 international senior photographers. She's really known for her stylized portrait sessions uh, for fashion-inspired newborns, children, teen, and women photography, which is so powerful. Merritt is also someone who understands the importance of having a business mindset and doing what you need to do to make it happen and figuring out what you need to do to make it in business. And so that's something that we're going to dive into in this episode is really that core pillar and theme of understanding what it is that you need to do to make it work for you. If your business is stuck, understanding what it is that you need to do to get unstuck or figuring out what areas of business you need to improve in order to actually run a successful business. So we're going to dive into that with Merit today, but I want to say thank you again uh, for joining us. If this is your first episode, thank you so much for being with us. But really, I hope that this is just a fantastic way to start your Monday and your week. So we're going to dive in to episode 29 of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast with Merit Lee. Hey everyone, we are back with episode 29 of the Senior Saw Guide to Real Talk. I am your host, Sean Brown, and today we have Merritt Lee in the house, who I am so stoked to have on as part of the podcast and YouTube um, video today. We're going to dive into all sorts of amazing things, but first I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an introduction about Merritt, who is a tremendous photographer. If you guys have not had a chance to check out her work, please go do so right now. Um, Merit Lee Photography is her Instagram handle. And we're going to dive into to all sorts of topics, but wanted to give you a little bit of a quick background on, on Merit, who is in outside of the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, does seniors a little bit of, of newborn photography. We are kind of talking about that where she dabbles a little bit, but doesn't really advertise it. And then also does her commercial work. So um, welcome to, to Real Talk, Merit. Thank you. Thank you. Super excited. So um, for those viewers who, you know, they might have seen your name once or twice, don't follow you. What's like the 30 second, 60 second rundown of who you are, a little bit about yourself um, and, and that sort of thing, your, your quick bio. Um, quick bio. I am a mom of three teenage daughters. So uh, if there's not rap music, there's, you know, expensive clothes laying all over the floor and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm surrounded with, uh, teenagers all over the place and absolutely loved getting into that side of the industry. Um, it's one of those things when I was younger, I used to take, I got a camera for like my communion when I was in second grade or my parents were always very cool about letting us use the video camera or the cameras never knew you could be a professional photographer. I didn't know it was a job option. Um, it's a fake job, right? 
perfect job. Yeah. And it still feel I mean, I feel so blessed because I used to dress up like my little cousins or my best friends and put makeup and hair and dress them up and dress up clothes and take pictures of them and have photo albums of stuff like that. So I feel like I get to do that on a professional level. Um, and then surprise, I fell in love with the business side of it so much that um, it's the best job I could ever have. It really is. I agree. So how did you get started? You you mentioned kind of, you know, starting as a kid playing with photography cameras and video cameras and stuff like that. But what made you want to pursue it professionally? Um, I didn't, again, I didn't know it was an option. So I was working on my master's in education. Um, always loved being creative. Was doing some freelance graphic design work on the side for some companies. And they gave me my first Photoshop. And so I was learning Photoshop for some graphic work and started playing with just my kids' photos and things like that. And I was like, this is really fun. Had a friend who lives out in Philadelphia who's an amazing wedding photographer, big deal wedding photographer. Um, and he would come in and shoot my children and show me his camera stuff and I'd play with that. And one day I just kind of woke up in a panic, like, I don't think I want to be a teacher full time. And I kind of want to be a photographer because this seems fun. And so I got super obsessed for like two years learning everything that I could, would not put my name out there publicly that I wanted to do this, just got super obsessed um, and just fell in love with it. And it kind of blew up organically from there. Yeah. So you mentioned that you went from being a teacher to wanting to be a full-time professional photographer. I didn't even become a teacher. I was oh, like, okay. yeah, I'm literally like in my last I don't know, half a year, a year of working on my master's and had like this massive panic attack. Like, I don't want to be a grown up. I want to do something fun for the rest yeah. of my life. So um, it just kind of went from there. So kind of going um, in that process, let's, let's take us back to your final stage of your master's. Okay. What are you going through in your head where you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. I think I want to do something else. And you've already invested time. You've invested money in- oh, you're what? Tons. Yeah. Tons of time and money into school. Yeah. So, so what does that conversation look like? Because, you know, I think there are tons of people out there where, um, myself included, you know, you're, you're two or three years into school and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. So what does that internal conversation look like? Well, you know what? So I, um, one of the things that I think made me hesitate and one of the things that kind of pushed me was I had three little girls at the time. Um, my husband, I, I since then uh, separated on a single mom, but my husband at the time was working full time and it allowed me to do schooling. And I was obsessed with the learning part of it. I was obsessed with people. Um, I wouldn't take it back. I feel like even though I went to school for something that was completely unrelated, which I think a lot of people in this industry, you know, they went to school for any kind of, you know, um, different genre, but I felt like I was wasting my husband's time and money, my parents. I mean, I'm a grown up with a house and children and a mortgage. And I felt very scared about, um, saying I, I quit, I'm changing my mind. You know, I didn't want them to feel like I was flaky or something like that. I wanted to make them proud of me, but, um, you know, it was something I really, really believed in. And then, you know, in our industry, I think when you start out, it's usually like some kind of accolade where somebody says, you know, you're really good at this. Like you have a really good eye or really great with little kids or something like that. And so that gave me, you know, the, the, the 
positive feedback that I needed to kind of believe in myself that I could do it. But one of the things that I think we don't think of as professionals is we do 10% photography and 90% business. And so when I started diving into it, you know, the first thing I wanted was a logo. And then I wanted a really cool website and I wanted a cool camera and I wanted good gear and, um, you know, things like that, or like the wardrobe, you know, a lot of um, photographers, whether you're doing children or seniors want some kind of wardrobe closet. And so I found myself getting very obsessed with like props and different things like that. But the other thing that I did is I, I literally shut off TV. Like, you know, it was just something, it wasn't what I was interested in. If I would be at home at night and the house got quiet, I would find something to read and learn. I would, you know, watch podcasts or YouTube or pick up a book or creative live or something like that and got very obsessed with learning because I didn't want to go out and fall on my face and make a fool out of myself and disappoint the people that were going to, you know, back me while I was completely changing gears. So, um, that part of it is where I really kind of fell in love with the idea of running my own business. And I know that that's something that a lot of creatives, I ha we have a really huge network here in Pittsburgh, a lot of friends and stuff like that. And then like the senior um, community, we have a huge network and, and we're supportive and we talk and we ask questions and things like that. But one of kind of the underlying thing is you could be an amazing photographer, amazing artist, um, and maybe you're amazing with clients and or your social media, but then, you know, you, you don't like the bookkeeping or, you know, the editing or something like that. We have 60 jobs to do. Like mm -hmm. literally every day you have to wake up and I run a studio. So now I have to make sure my studio is clean and you know, the toilet paper stocked and all yeah, of this. Please do that. Right. <laughs> so we have like, you know, this, this overwhelming to do list every day when we wake up and something suffers. And I think one of the things I got very obsessed with was making a workflow that really worked and collections for my clients. I really, really analyzed why certain things sold and um, what did my clients really want? You know what I mean? They want to feel like supermodels for the day. They want mm -hmm. to feel important special. So I focused a lot of time on the, the prep before their session. You know what I mean? Like my questionnaires and the communication I had with them. When we do hair and makeup, I spend that whole entire hour with fun makeup. I mean, um, fun music and talking to them about what they're doing at school and things like that. You have to make them comfortable. So there's like all these kind of variables that really set you up for having a good shoot on top of knowing your equipment and being a good photographer and stuff like that. So, um, I don't remember what the beginning question was, but <laughs> that's I think kind, it was of kind of, of yeah, well, kind of going back to the, the how did you figure out that you wanted to go for, you know, what did that conversation with yourself look like going from the very beginning where, you, you know, it's, it's with any job, you know, you're going to get your master's, you're going to go into a stable job, it's you're going to work for somebody else, have that paycheck every month, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you jump off the ledge and you don't know when your next client's going to walk in the door, you don't know if you're going to be able to cover bills, you have little ones relying on you. So, so it's a right. very tough internal conversation you have to have with yourself. Right. And I, okay. So sorry, I got completely. No, I love right. it. I love the sidetrack. But, um, I think one of the things was as I was learning different pieces to it and then having communication with other people and, and explaining, you know, Oh, I, I'm working on this on the business side or whatever. Those pieces are what made me feel really professional is looking at things more than, I really need a cute camera bag and I want some good props and whatever, but 
learning the business side, I think, is what gave me personally the confidence to doing that. And learning the pieces that I was strong at and the pieces that I needed to delegate or spend more time on and, you know, kind of keep developing myself and not let myself get kind of static with, you know, oh, I like taking pictures, you know. And I think that's the community that we see ourselves in when they're in these communities, it's because they want to better themselves. They want to surround themselves with other people that are inspiring or educating them. Um, and so anyways, that's, that's where I got my strength from was learning something I didn't expect to need to know being a photographer. Totally. Well, and I think that's what a lot of photographers do is they, they figure out what they can learn, where mm-hmm. they can go to invest in education. But one of the things is that they sit on that. Right. And they don't act on that. So how did you kind of take that education, implement it into your business, ultimately get to, to where you are? Was it an internal drive? Was it external factors that were influencing that kind of, what is that? I I guess, what does that look like in your story? Um, it was definitely internal. Um, I think it was more of a, when I first started out and I picked up a camera, you know, maybe, maybe I had some kind of talent there. Um, I would never show you the pictures that I was taking of my kids back yeah. there because I found like my personal thing was I was over-processing things. One, I didn't know how to use Photoshop very well. Um, so it was something I was continuing to develop. But two, when I felt really insecure about a, an image because maybe it was soft or, you know, maybe my, my lighting wasn't great or something, I would go in and I would over-process those. So again, this is my portfolio building stage. I didn't go out and have business cards on a website and tell everybody I was a photographer until I felt confident enough that I was running it as a business. I didn't just want to, you know, have a hobby. I wanted to make it a business. So I knew that there were pieces to that I needed to work on. So I think my internal like that bridge that kind of got me from wanting to do this to doing it was finding the things I was really bad at and learning enough about them or accepting the parts that I wasn't great at that I needed to learn more um, and educating myself to the point where I knew more than the person I was just like taking photos and, and your next door neighbor who was really great at photography doesn't want to run it as a professional business, but is, is very talented as, you know, a photographer. I knew that there was something different I needed to do in order to call myself a professional. So I think that's where I focused on it. And that's what helped build the confidence to kind of make that move. Totally. And then um, not to get too touchy, but started out the business. It sounded like when you were together with somebody uh-huh. and then separated from them. Right. That's a very tough transition to make from going from having a second income to right. not really re- being able to rely on, on that second income. Cause there's a lot of people where they get into photography and um, their husband is, you know, they don't need to necessarily maybe bring in that income. So that's a, that's a tough business transition too. So how did you go about navigating that for? Um, so I've actually not been in business you know, in the grand scheme of things compared to a lot of other photographers, a very long time. Um, two years into my business is when I opened my studio. I have a very over or high overhead um, studio space. And so I knew that I needed to make a lot of money in order to be sustainable. Um, I was very blessed that I started out in a marriage where I didn't need to work. So I was focusing that on school and being a stay-at-home mom and then transitioned into running a business. In my first two years, everything that I made 
which wasn't a lot, you know, a couple thousand dollars or whatever, um, I reinvested in my business. So I would buy a computer or a new lens or something like that. And I was kind of, I just kind of kept, you know, reinvesting into that to kind of build my business. Um, I think one of the things is I think I always knew uh, from a long time ago that the marriage was not going to work. We got very, married very, very young. Uh, we did the best that we can. We raised, you know, our children as well as we could. Um, but I knew that there was going to be a point where I was going to have to get a job and, and kind of be able to sustain my life and my, and take care of my children without a partner. Um, so I feel very blessed that I got to start in that. And I know that not everybody gets to do that. Some people are, you know, single and they're weighing, do I quit a job that I have a steady paycheck mm-hmm. and take the leap or not? Um, but I'm doing it. I mean, for four years now, I've run the studio by myself on one income. Um, I have had sole, you know, custody of my daughters. Um, I was not getting financial help there. And so I was able to, I was able to take care of us. Um, but I think when you have to, you know, for the people that are kind of teetering, when you lose the stability of having a paycheck, you have, you have to. Or you're, you know what I mean? It's, it's sink or swim. So um, I don't know if that was part of the driving force of better figure it out, better put in the extra hours and extra studying and learn how to run a business. Um, and I think a lot of, I think that's what you need. Sometimes you just have to say, I think that's the difference between an entrepreneur and, and somebody who prefers to go work for that, you know, steady paycheck. Um, you have to make the decision of, am I willing to put in the work you know, to survive at the end of this, or is that not my 4k? You know what I mean? And I think I, anyways, that, so for me, I had to do it. I didn't have a choice. I knew I wasn't going to work for somebody on a, you know, a nine to five basis. I knew I was going to put in way more hours here, flexible hours, but you know, in the fall for busy season. I mean, do you have, do you guys have a cyclical busy season where you are as well? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, we shoot for uh, in lace in the northwest it's like you know we shoot for two and a half maybe three months so it's very short yeah because otherwise it's it's raining and so it's very it's not all season it's very there's definitely a secular secular process that you have to go through in terms of you know this is this season this is this season all right right and so that's what i kind of like refer to it as even it's kind of funny too going through um my divorce when we're in these like financial, you know, trials, which are bubbles or whatever. Yeah. Um, I had it over and over and over explain like, no, I do make that much money, but it's not all year long. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's like the summer and the fall, but January through, you know, spring, I'm working on business stuff. And I'm living off of that money that I've saved. So I think that was, you know, and, and I don't know if, if you kind of have like your financial, because you're cyclical as well, if you have that plan as well, but it's almost like a squirrel that kind of like collects all the nuts when they can and then lives off it in the winter. That's, that's how I have to run my yeah. business. So it's not, I don't get to pocket this money. You know what I mean? It's yeah, exactly. Surviving so that we can, you know, survive in the winter here. And totally. So where does your business knack come from is that we raised with somebody who is a Um, my parents both are so crazy smart 
my dad always had, you know, his nine to five, which was number nine to five was always, you know, he, he runs teams for these companies and stuff like that. And then he'd always have a side hustle and they'd always take up side work. And, you know, if he had a skill on something, he would go help a neighbor or a relative or something. And my mom, she worked, um, in a certain, in a certain genre for a while and then started her own business with, uh, her best friend when we were growing up and then later sold that. So I think there's a little piece of me that learn like, it's okay. You can run your own business. I mean, we didn't have like a family store or family business or anything like that, but, um, there was something that said like, people do this. They can, they can go out and do this. Um, so I, I definitely got that. I definitely inherited that from my parents and my brain has never shut off. I think since I was like six years old, I was <laughs> every kind of business. I, I do that at night when I kind of get, you know, bored or something. I'll be like, you know what? That's such a really good idea for a business. And so my friends and I are always coming up with kind of crazy things, but I'm also, I think smart enough to, my dad's also ultra conservative with some of this stuff. So I also know when not to jump into something else. So I literally will only put my name on something where I know it's going to be a long-term thing and really, you know, the business plan is solid and things like that. I'm not that crazy. I just like daydreaming about it. I think. Yeah, totally. So, and you kind of touched on entrepreneurs versus people that work a nine to five. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I think that there are a lot of people where they get into photography for the art um, and don't necessarily understand that there are going to be struggles associated with running a business, um, right. knowing how to market, knowing how to, to brand yourself. So let's talk a little bit about kind of where you see photographers falling in terms of the entrepreneurial cycle versus kind of the, those people that might be better in a nine to five working that side hustle. And you know what? And there's nothing wrong with that. My yeah. best friend, um, comes and works for me. She is an assistant here at the studio. She is so great at photography. Um, she looks at it from a completely different standpoint than I have ever been able to. Um, and she loves it. It's something that she really, really cherishes. She doesn't want to run a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? She loves being here and being in the atmosphere and, and doing the things at the studio that, you know, she can get her hands on and stuff like that but she doesn't want her own photography business. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, sometimes I get so burnt out and I'm, I'm sure a lot of photographers, I don't know if this is how you feel. There's a certain time of the year where I'm like, I don't even want to see my camera. Like I feel like, you know, overwhelmed because I'm so busy with stuff that the last thing I feel like I could be is creative. So, um, I think that, you know, not everybody has to run a business. I think when you decide that you want to, you have to understand it. You have to work. You know what I mean? You're not, it's not as easy as taking images and grabbing some money. There's so much more when you're running a business, you know, for that. I think you need to decide what, what side you're on. And I don't think there's a wrong, you know what I mean? I think there's not a right and a wrong with that. I think however you want to do it, whatever kind of makes sense for you, your personality, your, your lifestyle. Yeah. But no, totally. I to- and I, I, I agree with that because I think that a lot of photographers, um, it's almost like, it, like a kind of a badge of honor to say I'm a full-time professional right. photographer. And I think that sometimes people get caught up in that where, um, you know, you can be a fantastic photographer still and, and do tremendous work 
but still have a daytime job. And I don't think that that's a knock on, on your skill set or, or anything like that. I think that's just a different personality, like you mentioned. Right. And I think the other thing too, is being smart enough to know if, if you're not great at something that it's going to take in order to run your business, either being smart enough to figure out how to delegate that out. So now you have somebody who's doing, if, if you're off with, Photoshop and Lightroom and, you know, all of that. And you want to have, you know, an editor, a full-time editor, and you delegate that out, you figure out how to kind of shift your business plan in order, or you don't like the bookkeeping. You know what I mean? Like those are things that we don't have to, I don't have to do all of those jobs. Um, but you have to make enough money that you can kind of take on, uh, assume that overhead. So, um, you could be an amazing business person and not do all of the business stuff. Still, you just have to figure out how to kind of spread that out to, you know, other people that can come in and do it. Um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with working the nine to five and doing it as a, not as, I wouldn't say a hobby, like kind of in the between, like more than a hobbyist, you could still be making money from it, but not running a full-time, you mm -hmm. know, photography business or studio or something like that. You can absolutely do that. Um, and, and sometimes I even envy people that do that because they don't get the same burnout because they're able to kind of manage it and do it here and there and not have to take on a lot of jobs that maybe, you know, their schedules are too packed or something. Totally. But I think even going back to, um, you where you went really kind of 180 where you're going into a steady job and then all of a sudden you're like nope peace we're doing we're doing something different you you almost have that drive too associated with you like you said it's sink or swim you're either you're going down with the ship or you're making it to shore and really kind of kicking and swimming the hardest that you can can do and, and pushing yourself in that business and I, so i do think that there's a a push associated with going full time that if you're kind of stuck in that nine to five that you don't have. So let's go back to those photographers that might want to stick in that kind of the daytime job and have that, but also want to drive their business. So what piece of advice do you give them for not getting complacent or, or wanting to say, Oh, well, we'll just do this, you know, next month or something like that. What's, what's your tip for keeping that drive alive? Um, so, Tim, have you ever listened to Tim Ferriss? I, a little bit. I'm not, I, I haven't listened to a ton of his stuff, but. So one of the things that um, he had said one time, I, it might've been a creative live class or a podcast or something I was listening to. He's amazing the way he kind of will drive a point on the simplest thing. So you really have to kind of think about this. But one of the things that he said, um, and I'm paraphrasing was, if you know that you want to go into business, you know, you want to be an entrepreneur, take all of that money you would have invested in college, go start three businesses, let them fail. You are going to learn so much more about yourself, about business, about running a business, about what it takes, um, than you ever will going through that education and then trying to start a business. Now he's not saying don't go to college. He was kind of driving this point of it's okay to fail you're going to learn so much from it. And so when there's little things that kind of happen in my business, or I'm sure with yours, the second you mess up on something, you're, you're probably, if you're running a successful business, 
going to figure out a way to avoid doing that again, whether it's setting a policy for clients so that you don't find a repeat client that is, you know, asking for too much or you're not giving of too much. Um, I know with like the financial side of business, one of the things I struggled for like a split second, but I know that, you know, my friends in this industry, um, other photographers I mentor, one of the hardest things ever is that financial, like, but, but, am I worth this or is somebody to pay this? Or if they're getting to the point where their skills are so good and they need to bump up, you know, kind of to the next step, they're really worried about losing clients and be able to book it. Um, and one of the things, this might've been like a Sue Bryce message or something that kind of came through um, that resonated with me and how I started explaining it to other photographers is we're, because our business is our person, you know what I mean? It's like, it's your talent, Sean. It's, it's the way that you see things, the way that you shoot, the way you communicate with your clients. Somebody else can't come in and take over your business. They can go run a business and, and it could be very parallel to you as far as um, what services they're offering or what products they're offering, but they're never going to treat the clients the same way you are. They're never going to have the talent, the same talent as you. They could be talented, but they're never going to be able to see things the way that you see things and all of that kind of stuff. So um, I had to realize that I was working for a business and I wasn't pocketing this money. I didn't have to justify why my prices were the way that they were, that I was going to attract people that saw what I could offer them and pay the pricing that I was asking for. Um, and I think that people kind of need to sometimes disconnect themselves and realize, okay, Merit's not getting a check for this much. I don't get to walk with, I mean, if I got to walk with the money that I made, I'd be living on a beach right now. I'd be happy. Not really, not really. But you know what I mean? Like my car would be a little bit nicer. My house might be a little bit bigger. I get like a third of what I make or a fourth of what I make because it takes that much money in order to have our equipment or our overhead. I have, like I said, I have high studio bills and stuff like that. Um, and I had to realize really quickly that, you know, if I worked for Nordstrom and you walked in and you wanted, you know, to buy a sweater or something, um, I would have no problem telling you how much that sweater costs. But when you come to me and you ask me for photography and I, you know, struggle with saying how much it costs, you know, I, I, I'm accepting that money on myself. So I think that's one of those other things where when people kind of realize like they're running, this as a business, it is a business, they're accepting money on behalf of the business. That is a big, that made a big difference to the way that I saw my business too. When did you kind of discover that or how did you find yourself worth and knowing how to price yourself or how to, to justify asking for, you know, large sums of money from individuals? individuals who you're providing a service, a creative service for? Um, I think it kind of goes full circle to that first question. I didn't. At the beginning, I felt like if I asked somebody for $50, I was being a con because I wasn't strong in the business. I wasn't strong in the knowledge of my equipment or how to fix an issue if something would come up. Um, my work wasn't consistent. So I wanted to make enough money to be able to survive um, I don't think people outside of our industry realize that we see such a very small percentage of the money that we get. It's we're, we don't get to keep that money. You know what I mean? It's yep. there's so much else that it goes to. Um, and we don't have, you know, taxes and, and health insurance and stuff like that built into our paycheck. We have to come up with all of those things. So um, that's what I think drove me to, 
I needed to understand business better. I needed to understand my equipment better. I needed to study photography so that my work got more consistent. Um, the other thing that I did was uh, I wasn't happy with what I could deliver. You know, I'm, I'm printing these images and I'm giving them a couple of frames, but I'm asking for a lot more than what, you know, if they went down to Hobby Lobby or Michael's on a 50% off sale and could go get their own frames. So I wanted to find product that they can't purchase on their own. And that was at a higher, you know, a, a higher uh, standard or, you know, heirloom photographs that were calibrated to my monitors and they could pass down to their children and their children's children and show that kind of stuff off. So I had to make sure that my products were valued at that. My work was valued at that. The service that they're going to receive from my company was going to be good. They're not going to be waiting mm -hmm. two months for an email reply. You know what I mean? I make sure that my customer service is really on point and stuff like that. So that's why I kept working on those things before I ever came up with the way that my business needed to be run or the, you know, the location of my studio or something like that. I needed to make sure I wasn't faking anybody out. I wasn't con arting. I wasn't doing that. Fake it till you make it. I was making sure that I had enough, you know, stuff to kind of back up the confidence in order to go into the industry. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> um, let's go back to family a little bit. Yeah. Being a single mother, how do you balance work and family? I don't have the, the big magic secret answer to that. Um, I try every opportunity that I can when I'm not overwhelmed with work to spend it really quality. And my girls know in the fall that there's going to be a lot of times that I'm not going to be there until after dark, um, you know, or on the weekends if I have something, you know, shoot. I did, I think one of the really great things about getting my office outside of my home was that I could set office hours. And I think clients respected that a little bit more. Um, even prior to having a studio, I didn't get this and I wish I kind of would have. I think one of the biggest things that people need to do is set expectations and set policies all over across the board because, you know, it's not life or death. It's not heart surgery. We don't need to answer text messages at midnight. You know, we have to send boundaries. Um, if a client messages, you know, sends an email at seven o'clock at night and then is upset with you nine o'clock the next morning that you haven't replied, um, you know, again, it's not like this emergency. We're in, we're not in that. We're in a luxury service. We're not in a, you know, so, um, except for with wedding photographies. I mean, I, I, you know, I hope they show up on time and answer, you know, certain things a little bit differently, but, um, that even if you don't have a studio, set your email reply, you know, an auto response on that. This is the times that you should expect to hear from me. Mm -hmm. And I have been able to adjust that a lot so that, my evenings, as soon as I step out of the studio, my evenings are for my kids. Um, and that's not to say I don't get a phone call or a text message every once in a while, but it has literally gone down 90% of what I used to. When I worked from home, I didn't have boundaries. I would work, you know, three o'clock in the morning, I'd be up editing and 11 o'clock at night or at dinner time, I'd, you know, take a phone call or something like that. So I definitely had to set some kind of policy for myself yeah. um, and then my clients. Were, was there a time that you realized that you needed to do this or was there that, that aha moment where you're like, you know, I can't, I can't be answering the phone at seven 30 after I've just cooked dinner or whatnot. Um, do you, it was, you know, one moment or was it kind of accumulation of culmination of things? Yeah, I think it was, um, a response 
to that being one of the things that was driving me the most crazy. I didn't, I don't, it's so simple. I don't know why it didn't like occur to me earlier to kind of set that policy. I was so afraid that if I didn't answer somebody that there was going to be a problem and my reputation in the community was going to be bad, or they were going to be upset that I wasn't making them feel extremely important. Um, that's the one thing that I kind of waited until I had a studio to say, these are the studio hours. I never needed that. I don't know why it took me that. It took me that in order to um, be able to respond. But that's one of the things that I really wish I would have done at the beginning. I would have yeah. kind of set expectation up early. What was one of the biggest things that you struggled with in your business? Probably the time management with that. Um, I get really obsessed with like working and getting better. And so if I'm editing all day and taking emails and things like that, and then I've got an ordering session in the evening and a shoot the next morning or whatever, I feel like um, setting up my calendar to kind of balance that. I'll find myself like in busy season last year, we had a time, I don't know what your season looked like, but we had, we got rained out for months. And so yeah. my summer calendar switched to fall and all of a sudden I was literally shooting six, seven days a week. Holy cow. Edit it and trying to, there were a couple weeks where I was working like 16 hour days, five, six, seven days a week. Yeah. Um, and I was on massive burnout and I, I shoot with a 200 millimeter. So my shoulder had popped out of place. I pulled a rib out of place. So like I couldn't even sit to edit and I was doing it because I didn't have a choice. You know, I yeah. didn't have a choice. I had to come through. Um, and we have a lot of yearbook deadlines and things like that. So I knew I was like up against the clock. Um, other than that, I've tried to say like, okay, Mondays or office days. I don't see clients on Mondays. I'm working on catching up from the weekend and emails and phone calls. You know, Tuesdays should be editing day. You know, Wednesdays can be my late night or Thursdays can be my late night or whatever. I try to set those things, but at the same time, like our clients, you know, maybe they work or, and these are the only days that are available. So there's definitely flexibility to all of that. Um, I go into every senior season, like right now my, my calendar is half full and I've got them spaced out super pretty and I'm super, you know, um, optimistic that yeah. we're have this down and it's going to be so smooth and it never happens like that. You know, rain gets in the way, somebody gets sick and they've got to reschedule, you know, we add an extra person or something that we weren't planning to, but it's a, a friend and so we've got to make that exception or yeah. something. And then my whole calendar gets out of whack. So I'd say I struggle with the time management with you know, yeah, definitely. Totally. Let's go back to, you talked about customer service and that being a really top priority for you. Without naming names, obviously, what is kind of that one time where that client just gave you a run from your money and kind of the, the best thing that you learned that has influenced your business now? Um, so in the years that I've been in business, I've literally had two clients that broke my spirit. Um, both of them because I broke policy right off the bat. I fit somebody in that I shouldn't have. I did things a little bit backwards than I do. I'm very, very upfront. Um, one of the things that I do with mentoring and stuff like that here is I feel like I really understand why you set up pricing a certain way, how you do it so that you know, your clients are taking care of, you're being upfront about things, 
You don't have to be scared. You're never selling somebody. You know, I'm not in it to sell my clients and upsell and, and you know, make all this extra money. That's mm -hmm. not why I'm in this business. Um, so I'm very upfront about it. Well, I had a client that was not a senior photographer or a senior client. Um, it was a different genre. They called last minute. They needed a, a session literally like within the next two days. I fit them in. The first thing I always do with clients, like the lead up, if you were contacting me for a senior client is you see my pricing. My first response email, my pricing was attached. My second response email, my pricing's attached. I'm not, you know, tricking anybody into spending money. Um, this client, because everything was happening next day, they received my agreement, they received my pricing, they came in the next day. There wasn't even time for them to mail it back. They came in the next day, gave me my agreement and, and the money for the session came in for the ordering session, loved everything, bawling their eyes out, couldn't be happier, wanted so much more than even my collection. So they were adding extra frames and extra albums, you know, for grandparents and things like that. The sale was going to be amazing. And then they said, your pricing's too high. You're holding our, our images ransom. We don't want to pay this. And I'm like, well, you saw my pricing before you booked me. And they're like, well, we didn't have time to think about it. We got it, you know, the day before. And I realized, that's my fault. I didn't have the time to make sure that they truly understood it. I didn't have time to, to talk to them about what the expectations of an ordering session was going to look like. Sure. I gave it to them, but she said, why didn't, I didn't even open that attachment. You know what I mean? So because of the rush of it, because I broke policy, I lost, I completely lost that sale. And, you know, and I gave them the option. I said, we don't have to spend that much. You can pull it back and do a smaller collection and we can get, and they said, no, we want everything. And it came in at a price tag that they weren't willing to pay. So I, lot, I said, well, we'll pause. And if you ever decide that you want to come back and order those, you know, they're here. I'll keep them safe for you. you don't, you're not forced to do something. But that was a session. Every time I take time for a session and everything that it takes that day and the editing and all of that kind of stuff, I could have given that to somebody else. So the mm -hmm. fact that I lost, the, you know, the fee off the end of it, but it was my own fault. You know what I mean? I, I did something out of norm. I broke policy and I had one other client. It was kind of the same thing. Um, mom wanted to order the world. Uh, dad was not at the ordering session. You know, all decision makers have to be at the ordering session. Dad came back very angry later. Like, what are you, why is it cost this much? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, you ordered a whole wall of, of custom frames. You know, you can get the collection that comes with one frame. Um, and he wasn't happy and that one ended up turning out good. Dad and the grandmother ended up coming to a second one. They ordered more than the mom even did in the first one. It all worked out well, but I was scared to death. Like what, a, you know, they're going to be angry and they're going to tell everybody that, you know, I'm charging too much, but it wasn't my normal pricing. You know, mm -hmm. they added $10,000 of crazy custom stuff to it. And I was very nervous about the reputation. I think that's one of the things that is great for us and also very scary for us is it's our name. You know what I mean? Like we're putting our name on this. It's not, Absolutely. we're not, for, you know, Acme Industries where they don't care if it's us or somebody else. And it's not, I mean, this is, we have to walk the streets in our community and, you know, people have to feel like we're doing a good job and, and we're quality and we're good people in the community and we're not con artists and things like that. And I think because it is such a small business type thing that people, I take it very personally what my name goes out there on. And I think 
people also, you know, associate your name automatically with the way that you run your business. So, so how do you turn that client experience where it might turn out negative? How do you turn that into a positive? Um, I did not treat it any differently than I would for anybody else. I did not take their words personally. Um, I kept a smile on my face. I kept reassuring them. I never got aggressive. I never got mean. I kept the door open that, you know, if they ever wanted to come back and use me as their photographer, they were welcome to. Um, I told them I would protect their images for them. And I stayed true to who I was instead of, you know, getting on the defense and saying, well, I did all this stuff for you and, and you're being demanding and, and mean. I can't give you all of the images for free. Like I didn't argue with them. Yeah. Um, I think that's very important, especially when our name's on it. You know what I mean? You don't want to, and, and that's one of the things in our industry I do see, like in some of these chat groups that we're in, you know, these smaller forums and things like that, people will say, oh, I'm so angry with this client, which is okay. We're allowed to be angry with clients. We're allowed to have a place to voice that. Um, but then you see communication between them and their client. And you have to remember, like, you wanted to be a professional photographer. You want to run a professional business. You should behave professionally and, and not kind of um, jump on the level of the, the upset customer, you know? So I think that's a really important thing to kind of stick to or try to mind. Totally. I love it. Um, wrapping up, I want to, as we kind of get towards the end, um, ask you if you were to give one piece of advice to a photographer who is either in business now or just starting, what's the number one thing that you wish that you had learned kind of early on in your business? That's hard. Um, I, I really think it's, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe that if you really want something, if you really want something, you put in the work and you make it happen. Yeah. And kind of do anything you want to do when you do that. And it's so cliche and it's like, you know, parental advice that you hear, but it's so true. Um, when I really wanted something, I, I found a way to get it without a no, you know what I mean? So keep hustling and, and invest in yourself. So I love it. I, th I think it's a good reminder too. I think that people sometimes forget that we started businesses because we knew that we could do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's a fantastic reminder for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going to have the bad days. You're going to doubt yourself. Um, you're going to have, you know, 90% are going to be bad days, but those 10% of the good days are, are going to make up for it. Yeah. Absolutely. So awesome. Where can people find you on social media, online? Where are you? Um, I am on, okay, here's where you're going to see like the behind the curtains, the, the madness. Um, I'm awful at Facebook. Um, <laughs> I, every once in a while, I remember to post over there. My audience, and, and I'm assuming most people's audience, um, because we're working in the teen industry, is definitely Instagram. So at Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T, -T, Lee Photo on Instagram. Um, you could check my, out my business Facebook at Merritt Lee Photography, but it's, you're going to see a lot of dust and crickets over there. So go to Instagram. Uh, absolutely. And then my website's just MerrittLee.com. Awesome. And if you were going to do, I always like to wrap up for people that are listening. They, uh, on the podcast, you guys can shoot us a DM at senior style guide. And then also at Merritt Lee, is it photography or photo? Um, on Instagram, it's photo photo. So at Merritt Lee photo, include us both in a DM, let us know kind of the answer to your question, but I'm going to have Merritt have the opportunity to ask you guys 
one question that you guys, um, or that you want to know about, about the viewers and people that are listening. Can I ask two? Go for it. Okay. I want to know what you love the most about running your own business and what you love the least or hate. We can use the H word, but what is your absolute favorite thing about running your own business? And what is the thing that you wish could disappear off your plate? I love it. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining. If you guys are just, if this is your first Real Talk, welcome. If this is your guys' 20th or whatever, uh, welcome back as well. But um, we're going to be bringing you lots more throughout the year, so make sure to stay tuned for that. But um, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation between me and Mara today. I think that there is a piece of advice for absolutely everybody that was listening or watching. So thank you so much for, for being on here, Merit. It was a pleasure to have you on for Real Talk. Thank you. So awesome. Until next time, we'll see That wraps it up for this episode of the Senior Style Guide Real Talk podcast. We are so excited that you guys are joining us and just want to say a heartfelt thank you. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you guys have the option to listen to, and it really means the world that you're joining us and giving us a part of your day and really just joining in on part of the conversation and, and the community. In addition, make sure that you guys are joining us over on Facebook and the Senior Style Guide group over there, where photographers from all throughout the country contribute, give their input and their advice and their experiences to help other photographers learn and grow. We'd love for you to join us over there as well. So all you have to do is search Senior Style Guide on Facebook, ask to be added to the group, and we'll make sure that you guys get to be a part of the conversation over there. If you haven't had a chance to hit that subscribe button below, please take a second to do that really quick. What that does is it makes sure that you guys keep up to date on all of the content that we're putting out there. We have tons of Real Talk episodes coming to you guys throughout the year from leaders and other photographers that you would love to hear from. So we want to make sure that you do not miss a single episode of that. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. Thank you guys for joining us and we cannot wait to have you as part of the listening experience for future podcasts. Looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode and we'll see you around. Thank you.